Okay, today's daf is hey, we are a little behind. We continue on daf Dalad Amud Bet. We had about 10 lines from the top, uh, eight lines from the top. We had just seen um, a whole range of opinions about what is the sheer bia, the amount of time that it would take to do the, uh, even the, begin the act of intercourse. Um, and one of them had used a metaphor about sticking a hand into a uh, basket with loaves of bread and quoted a verse. So now we're going to pick up on a drusha, other drush out of the, based on this verse. So the Gemara continues as follows. Six lines from the top. Darish Ravavira, Zimni Namale Mishmed Ravami, Zimni Namale Mishmed Ravasi. Ravavira explicated, sometimes in the name of Ravami, sometimes in the name of Ravasi. Kola Ochalechem Belo Nitilas Yadayim Kilubali Shazona. Whoever eats bread without washing his hands is um, as if he had intercourse with a woman who is a prostitute. Shenemar Kibadi Shazona Atki Karlachem. Because on account of a woman who is a prostitute, um, man is reduced to a loaf of bread. Hard pasuk to exactly. Translate. So now we are saying that because of how you treat a loaf of bread, it can be like having intercourse with a prostitute. Obviously, from the male perspective, is interesting, worth noting. You know, the uh, oftentimes um, analogy of eating a certain appetite with sexuality, and that can be done in a very holy context. You know, wash your hands, you prepare for it with blessings and so on. Sexuality within marriage, within Kiddushah, and it can be done in a way that is just about self-pleasuring. So there's an interesting, actually, parallel here, but the Gemara will discuss whether, um, uh, from the man's perspective, but the Gemara will discuss whether this is uh, a reasonable read of the Pasuk. So the Gemara says like this. Um, so, Amarava, hi, ba'adi shazona, akikar lachem, ba'adikar lachem, adi shazona, mi The verse should have been the reverse. Rather, it should have said, because of how one is with a loaf of bread, that is like the, uh, how one uh, is winged with a prostitute. Um, the verse, though, had it phrased the opposite. It starts with a relationship to a prostitute, and then it compares it to the loaf of bread. El Amarava, Sarava says, here's how we're going to interpret the verse. And which might actually be very much the shot of the Pasuk, which is whoever has uh, intercourse with a prostitute, whoever is, you know, generally sleeps with prostitutes, in the end they will become poor and they will go around begging for a loaf of bread. Amar Zreka, Amar of Zreka, hold on. Uh, uh, okay, um, I'm a rebel. So now that we're talking about how one uh, washing one's hands before eating bread, um, and people that are, are abiding by it or not abiding by it, we're going to we're going to uh, develop that topic for a little bit. So says Rev Zreka, the number of blazer, whoever treats uh, lightly, lightly, disparagingly, the need to wash one's hand before before bread will be uprooted from the world. It's a pretty harsh statement. I'm a Rav I'm a Rav. When you wash the um, water, um, the mayim mishonim before eating bread, you have to lift up your fingers. When you do the mayim achronim, you have to have your fingers pointed down. Now let's see what this is about. We taught similarly. When you do netilas yadayim before eating bread, you have to lift your hands upwards, your fingers upwards. Because we're afraid that the water will go below the wrist and then come back on the fingers. What does this mean? Uh, the reason one washes hands before eating bread is because the kohanim um, would eat their would often eat truma, uh, truma. Their bread would be made out of truma flour, and um, truma cannot become tamay. Now the rabbis uh, established that your hands would be considered a sheni latuma. 
um, if, without having washed them, and gen, gen, generally because you don't know what your hands are up to, we consider them to be a second-degree derivative of tuma. Now, what can that do? That can only make something tame that is truma or more holy. It cannot make normal things tame. So that was a concern for kohanim. So kohanim had to wash their hands, um, you know, the same way they could make only the hands tame. The rabbi said that you could make the hands tahor without going your whole body into a mikvah, and that would be done through washing the hands. So they would do this ritual washing of the hands in order to allow them to eat truma, and we do it in parallel of that, you know, copying that as a way of treating it because A, there would be people who would eat normal bread as if it were truma, and it's a way of really bringing kedushah into our eating as if we are doing this same thing the Kohanim would do would be eating the truma uh, bread, which gets back to the Gemara about bringing kedushah into the framing of our eating. So why do we do it twice on the hands? Um, because the first time, the, the water gets the hands tahor, but the water itself comes in contact with the hands and becomes tameh. It actually becomes a reshone that's a special halach about liquids, even though a minute ago I said only truma would be a problem, liquids are different. Now, um, let's say you overdid it, and, or you, um, and some of that water spilled um, on, went below your wrist and, um, you know, and went... Um, up to the, uh, what do you call it, went up, uh, you know, went on your forearm. So the water becomes tameh. Now, what happens? How does that not become a problem? Well, that's why we do the second water. The second water, the second pouring, makes the first water tahor. Right? You'll understand that there are some logical problems, like how come why the water not sitting there can go back and make the hands tameh. That's not a problem, as long as you do the second water. The concern, though, is, is that you will overdo it the first time. You will pour the water, and it will go outside of the um, um, and below your wrist. Um, and then the second time, it will only go up to the wrist. So therefore, there will be water on your forearm that is tameh, that has not become tahor. And now, if you hold your hands down, and that water runs back on your hands, now you have made your hands tameh. That is the concern. By the way, I should say that I'm talking about the wrist and the forearm. Um, there's another opinion in the Rishonim that what we're talking about is where the fingers uh, attach to the actual, the second knuckle, where they actually attach to the palm. And that's a major question, of course, about how do you do Nitilus Yodayim? Do you make sure it's just your fingers or do you make sure it's your whole hand? Um, in general, we try to follow the position that it's your whole hand, but when you need to, you can follow the position that it is just the fingers. Anyway, the point is that if you let your fingers down, it is possible there'll be tame water that runs back on your fingers. So keep your fingers up. That's why we do it. Um, uh, so we talk similarly. You have to lift up your hands above. The waters will go outside below the uh, joint, whichever joint that is, the palm or the uh, wrist. And they did not become tahor because they didn't get the second waters on them. And then they will be make your hands tame again. So keep your fingers up. Or just dry your hands really well. And by the reason for the Maimachron and the fingers are down is there you're trying to wipe away the Melech Sedomis, the salt and the smelly stuff, so you want to get it away from you and therefore you want your fingers down. You want it to run down. Um, so we are going now again to speaking about uh, washing the hands, but now in the importance of drying your hands, okay? So if you, if you eat it without, without drying, technically your hands are tahor, as we said, um, but he, Ravasi considers that to be something like not, like a little uh, unseemly and disgusting, and it's like it's, it's um, so unpalpable. So therefore he says that is equivalent to as if it were still tamay. 
Um, so it says like this: It's so the children of Israel will eat their bread tamei, and it's not literally tamei; it's something that is, um, Rashi says, maus, like a disgusting, um, and therefore disgusting is like it is ritually tamei. It's interesting, like which one resonates more? Ech, don't do it; it's disgusting. Don't do it; it's tamei. For some people, the sort of ritual significance, um, you know, will be more powerful than the it, don't do it; it's disgusting. But again, this interest thing about the proper approach to eating bread and the analogy also about to sexuality. Okay, so let's take a look. Um, okay. Now, the, um, the end of this pasuk from Mishle about the loaf of bread and the prostitute says that a married woman will, uh, will capture a dear soul. So how will we explain that verse in a homiletic way? Whoever has haughtiness, you know, like literally like a, a heaviness or a thickness of the, um, of, of the, of the wind, like, you, you know, very, uh, uh, very haughty. Um, in the end, that person will think that they're so wonderful that they can do whatever they want, and therefore they will uh, sin with the, um, in the sin of, um, of adultery with a married woman. And a married woman, a dear soul, which here means like a heavy soul or a haughty soul, will capture a, um, a, a what do you call it, will capture a... Um, a married woman, you know, so that's actually interesting because it echoes the Pasuk back by Noah um, at the end of Parshas Noah, where it says, excuse me, the end of Parshas Bracious leading into Noah, where it says that, you know, when B'nai Elohim took B'nos Hadam, they just felt they could have whatever they want and they would grab married women, as Chazal understand it, from right under the chuppah, um, you no know, sense about about relationships and who who is, you know, connected to whom, you just feel it's all entitled to it, you can do whatever you want. So that is how the Gemara is saying is the concern here, not just any sin, but a sin that you're entitled to anything. I'm Rabbi Chiyabar Abba. I'm Rabbi Yochanan. Um, oh, we just said that. I'm sorry. Okay. Now the Gemara says I'm a Rava. Now Rava um, is um, is you know like he did before. Uh, is not so concerned with how powerful the message is, but how much it fits into the pasuk. It should not say a dear soul. It should say a haughty soul, a high soul. If you, you know you want to talk about somebody haughty, the ode he tatsud me If it's saying a married woman, a haughty soul will capture ensnare. It should then have referred back to the married woman. He tatsud. It will ensnare her. So the pasuk does not sound like the way you want to read it. El Amaravi, here's how to read it. Kohabalishis inish, if whoever, uh, whatever man has intercourse with a married woman, even if he's a dear soul and he has learned Torah, which is the dearest thing, it is dearer than jewels, and the classic drush is even greater than the Kohen Gadol who goes into the innermost chamber, that the, the, the married woman, the sin with that married woman, that will ensnare him all the way to Gehenna. So he is not ensnaring the woman, he is sinning with the woman and the woman, and well, not the woman, the sin is ensnaring him. Okay, so that's how bad that is. Okay, now because we've mentioned haughtiness of soul, we're now going to have a long exposition about the problems of haughtiness of soul, uh, uh, you know, just haughtiness. Um, pride cometh before the fall and all of that. But it's interesting that the phrase is 
Gasus Ruach, because we cannot escape realizing that, you know, the Pasuk by Sota, right, is Vavar Alav Ruach Kinah, a spirit of jealousy. And the Gemara had a discussion, was this a Ruach of, you know, was this a mitzvah, was this a good Ruach of Tuma or of Tahara? And now talking about a Ruach that is a, you know, Gasus HaRuach, makes one question, you know, where is this jealousy coming from? Is this person just a super jealous husband and anything he's jealous about and so on? I think it really forces us to consider the relationship with Gasus HaRuach and this Ruach Kinah. So let's take a look. Okay, so, um, so, uh, whoever has this haughtiness, it's as if they worshipped uh, idols, because then you're not humble to anybody, you're not humble to God, you are your own authority, and they might as well worship Avodah Zarah, do whatever you want. Um, it says here, an abomination to God is anyone who has a, who, you know, whose heart is, uh, is raised up, is haughty, um, and it says, it's an abomination when you bring an Avodah to your house. So it's an abomination. It's an equal abomination. It pulls you away from the authority of God. Reb Yochanan today, now that was Reb Yochanan in the name of his Rebbe, Reb Shimon Yochai. Reb Yochanan on his own says, it's as if you rejected God, because actually, which is maybe a stronger point, because it, you know, worshiping Avodah is giving over, rejecting one authority for another. Um, rejecting God, it's just an authority onto yourself. Your heart will go haughty, and you will forget the Lord your God. Pretty clear that it is, you know, straight there in the Pasuk. Although, of course, the Pasuk is a little bit more like forget that God is there and helps you. You know, it's not as much of a direct uh, rejection of God's authority, but they all are related. Um, okay. So now getting back to this uh, argument before that the haughtiness leads to uh, adultery, um, and there it was not just the sexual sin, I believe, but also the fact that it's like you, the man, think you're entitled to anything, even another man's wife. Um, here, we're just sort of saying that it leads to promis- prom- uh, promiscuousness. You can, you'll let your desires reign free. Um, you'll do all of the arayot. Um, abomination to God is all of a, height, a haughty heart. And it uses the word to'eva to refer to all of the arayot as a category. Ula amar it's if you built a bama, a um, an altar outside of the Beit Hamikdash. Um, um, you know, you should stop sort of uh, uh, putting your trust in a human being that the soul is in his is, is in his nostrils. You know, he only has the breath of, of life. He's not God. Um, because how how much value ultimately you know salvation can you get from an, a man? Um, what is he worth? Do not read it. What is, you know, with what? What is his value? El Abama. He is, when he is Nishama Ba'apo, you know, when he sort of is of, of haughtiness or maybe the type of person that you would, you know, think that you should trust him and that all can rely on him, then it is if he is building his own Bama. Okay, so now um, it's interesting the idea of a Bama. You know, Rashi says that a Bama would be built on, you know, the, uh, would be built on the highest mountains and the highest places, also lifting himself up. I think it's an interesting that in conversation with the Avodah Zarah and the Kofir B'ikar. Avodah Zarah is another god, 
Kofir bi'ikar is, um, you know, is uh, rejecting God completely. Now, a person that's haughty, you know, I think probably we've all seen met in our lives people that are egotistical or haughty and that are from and observant and so on. They're not rejecting God, but they still are uh, somewhat of an authority onto themselves. So what is the expression of that? Well, that's the bummer. The person says, I'm not going to do what everybody else does. I'm not going to go ahead and go to the base on Nikdash. I am going to, you know, do it on my own. And author- I'll still worship God, but as an authority onto myself. Like a phrase, like everybody is going off and making their own Shabbos. Everybody's deciding which day is Shabbos. So, you know, that is uh, the, the image of Ki'ilu Bana Bama, as if they have built a Bama. Okay, now, Ma Yad Liyad Lo Yinakeh. What is meant? What is meant by the by the pasuk yad liyad lo yinakeh? Hand to hand will not be clean. That is the end of the pasuk before that says that um, the haughtiness of the heart is an abomination. So what does this have to do about hand to hand? Amarav kol abal eishes ish afilik neil kadosh baruch hu shemaim va'aretz ka'avra mavinu shvichsiv be harimosi adil hashem. Anybody who has intercourse with a married woman, not exactly clear what this has to do with a married woman. Where did that come from? So if you take a look at the Bach, the Bach says no. The girsa is whoever has haughtiness, and that actually seems to have been the girsa that Rashi and others had. Whoever has haughtiness, even if he is yad liyad, a hand to God, even if he is somebody that that God has given him over, you know the mastery of the heaven and earth. Um, he has recognized God's mastery over heaven and earth. I've lifted up my hand to God, master of heaven and earth. He will not be cleansed from the punishment of Gehenom. And here again, you could think like, okay, he's haughty, but he recognizes that God is the master of all. And it's like, that's not enough. Even if you're not like the Kofir Ikar and you recognize God as after of all, there is still a problem of the haughtiness in itself and being the authority onto yourself and the privileges that you will think and entitlements it will give you and how you'll relate to other people. So Rebbe Rabbi Shela did not like this read of the verse. Now, this is a little bit funny. Somehow, uh, you know, Rashi switches because the Gershon, I read it, Yad, Mi Yad. Well, that's actually coming up. Rashi says the emphasis is Yide, right? Yad, Yad, Lo Yinakeh. Yad, Yide, Lo Yinakeh. Because, excuse me, Yadi, Lo Yinakeh. My hand. If you wanted to allude to the Pasuk by Avraham, rather than saying Yad, Yad, it should have said Yadi. Like Avraham says, Harimosi Yadi, I've lifted up my hand. Ella, so, actually, that was a very powerful read, I thought, but. The, he is rejecting it because of that. Even if this person has so invested themselves in Torah, as, and in Torah it is written, from God's hand it is a fire, he has given this fiery law to his people. Even though he has all of this Torah, if you have this haughtiness, you know, and the Torah maybe will lead to a sense of haughtiness, you will not be cleansed from the punishment of Gehenim. Uh, I was jumping ahead. So Rabbi Yochanan says, no, if it was about hand, God's hand giving us the Torah to our hands, then it should have said Yad Miyad, not Yad Liyad. So Elam Rabbi Yochanan, let's try this. What is Yad Liyad? That you are not the receiver, but the giver. Your Yad to somebody else's Yad. Even if you do tzedakah in you know, in, in private, in secret. Nobody knows about it. You're not the one that's putting your name on buildings. You're anonymous. Nobody knows. You respect the dignity of the person. That's actually a type of behavior that we, that we associate with the opposite of people that are haughty. So you are both, somebody does both. 
you know, they, they do the tzedakah exactly the way it should be, but nevertheless, they still go around with their haughtiness and their gases haruach. So, nevertheless, and that we know is hand to a hand. Even when we know that giving in secret in a way that's respectful, that's not publicizing it, that's keeping the person's privacy, that that will cover up the anger of God. Nevertheless, the sin of haughtiness is so great that lo will not be saved from the punishment of gehinom. So there's a power of the first two way, the first and the last way of interpreting it. Somebody could be haughty and still recognize the authority of God. Somebody could be haughty and still do these amazing things without getting credit for them. And that does not neutralize the problem of the haughtiness. Um, okay, now we continue. Now, you're going on and on about the problem of this haughtiness. Um, where do we know that the Torah says that a person shouldn't be haughty? I mean, you have all these psukim and mishlei that clearly talk against it, but is there any sense that we can see like a type of a prohibition, shall not, relating to this? So, Listen and give ear, do not lift up, do not raise up. So that's a little general, um, also not a pasuk in the Torah, pasuk in Yirmiya. You know, watch yourself lest, you, uh, you know, your heart grow, uh, lift up and you forget the Lord your God. So the simple read of the verse is, you, you're, watch yourself lest it leads to you to forget God. But he is reading, watch yourself lest you let your heart grow, grow, uh, you know, grow high, you know, get, you, let, let yourself become overly proud. Um, and it says, watch yourself lest you forget the Lord your God. So, um, so therefore, uh, the, the, since the getting of the heart to get, to get haughty leads to forgetting God, getting haughty itself is a form of transgressing the prohibition of not forgetting God. So I, I think I misstated it a minute ago. It's not that the Pasuk says, don't let your heart, lest your heart grow haughty, but here it says, lest you forget the Lord your God. Okay. Wherever it says, um, you know, lest watch yourself shall not, that means that it is a negative prohibition. So it is not a watch yourself lest your heart go haughty, but it is a, but it is watch yourself lest you forget God. And since those two are connected, that is the prohibition for allowing yourself to become haughty. Okay. Um, so Ravavira said, time, some, again, sometimes the name of Ravami, sometimes the name of Ravasi. Whoever has haughtiness, you know, you know, as you know, the, 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 you know, what, you know, it's the sort of the, what is it? The, the something before the fall. Anyway, you know, so whoever has the haughtiness in the end will become, um, will be, will be lowered down, will be brought down. Rumu me'at. You know, lift up a little. And he's reading it, you know, if you lift yourself up, then you will become ma'at. You will become a little. Um, okay, you come down a little bit. You're a little bit cut down to size. But maybe still be somebody that has an impact in the world. It'll be as if they never were. So the punishment for the haughtiness is that you will be cut down and your memory will be forgotten. Now, I said your memory be forgotten, but from the next line, it seems actually that it's saying that you will actually um, die suddenly. Because now it is saying, because if the person, though, does tshuva, then they will live a like full life just like Avraham Avinu did. So, um, so this is the end of the previous pasuk. 
about um, from um, you know from uh, that's from Eov that was lift up a little bit. Um, and the, um, the literal meaning is that they will be brought low, those people who lift themselves up will be brought low, they'll be gathered in like everyone else. Meaning don't grow so high, might, high and mighty in the end, you will die just like everyone else. But now we are reading it as teshuva. You know, if you, if you are mighty, then make yourself proud, enenu, you'll die suddenly, you'll die before your time. But if humchu, if you make yourself lowly, you humble yourself and you do teshuva, then you will be gathered in tichol, What's the kichol, like the everything? Like everybody knows from benching. You'll be like Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov that lived a nice long life. And by them it says, you could look at Rashi, you know, where that words are by each one of them. So if you make yourself humble and you do tshuva, then you will live a good long life. But if not, that is the end of the pasuk, like the top of the um, of the uh, of, of the of the uh, of the wheat, the, the husk, you will you will wither away. Okay, so that's the end of the pasuk. Um, so now we're going to look at that piece a little bit. What like of interpretation can we give about this sense about the the head of the husk? You know, people they they have those like hairs that come out, you know, uh, as a crown, sort of coming out from the uh, from the top of the husk of wheat. Um, uh, exactly this. It is like the uh, like the, the hairs that, that come out from the top of the husk. Um, that's one of and the other says no, like the husk itself, the head of the husk, not something separate from the husk, but the top of the husk itself. Um, if you say that it means like the the crown, the hairs from the top on the top of the husk, so the head. That's something. That's what this head is. It's this distinct thing. But if it's the husk itself, my What's the meaning of like the head? Because it means the stuff that is the tallest. You're walking into the field and you'll gather up, you know, you'll pick the stuff that rises up at the top. I mean, maybe it's, <laughs> if you think about a tree, it's the opposite, the stuff that's lowest down and closest to you. But it's the one that draws attention and the stuff that you cut and that you pick first. So here, too, the same way, you know, the first image was those hairs are cut away. And if you make yourself try to get so high, you know, raising yourself up above, you'll be cut away like those hairs of the husk. Here, the image is, I think, less powerful. You will be cut down like the tall husks. The tall husks are apparently cut down first. Okay. Um, and now we are looking at a pasuk that speaks about, you know, about God and about God's concern for the humble. That I, God, am with the one that is downtrodden and lonely of soul. So there's a debate of Rav Hun and Rav Chizda, just like there was in the previous pasuk. So it's all within the same theme, and it's also Rav Hun and Rav Chizda. The one that is downtrodden is with me. I will bring him up to me. No, I will lower myself, and I will be with the one that is downtrodden. Certainly this more simple read of the pasuk. And it makes sense that it says, I will lower the, I will be there with the downtrodden. Because we know, you know, Harsinai, the classic uh, statement of Chazal, that it was lower than the mountains, and God abandoned all the others, and God is willing to lower God's self to be with the lowly. 
Um, and below um, Harsinai uh, uh, and God did not lift up Harsinai above. God came down to Harsinai. So, and that's also I think the more powerful metaphor when people are feeling lowly and you know and bleak and 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 and, and depressed, um, they want to feel that God is present with them there in their bleakness, in their depression, in their darkness. Not that oh God is going to lift you know you up. You don't you know if that's you know what in the future maybe you could be you don't believe that or it's not relevant. And not how you're feeling right now. Now you don't, certainly don't believe it. But to believe that God is with you where you are right now. Um, okay. I'm Rav Yosef. A person should always learn from the way their, his creator or her creator made him. Her. God left all the mountains and decided to lower God's self on Harsinai, the lower ones, and therefore we should act in the same. And another version of this has also was in the lowly thorn bush and not in some like you know high trees. I'm Rebel Ezra. Call him Sheesh Bogasis Ruach. Back to haughtiness. Whoever has in him uh, this haughtiness, um, is deserving to be cut down. So before we sort of say God will cut him down, he'll be cut down before his time. Now we're sort of saying even harsher things, which is a little disturbing, I must admit, because it's sort of like directed to people. You know, you should try to cut him down. Cut him down to size. He should be, he's fit to be cut down to size. Uh, you know, I don't feel that that's necessarily um, <laughs> a helpful dynamic to be putting in, the, in there in between people. But okay, um, he certainly is deserving. Let's say God, deserving that it come from God. Um, but that's not what it says. Okay, um, where are we? Tzivach v'rameha koma giduim, and those that are uh, high up um, will be cut down. So not just... The, and their, you know, and their Ashe wrote, you should shop down when you enter into the land. So, and that is now the co- combination of the two words Tigadayun is not just they will be cut down, but they should be cut down. You shall cut them down. Um, again, it's uh, interesting and disturbing to think about what the practical implications are this that he might be suggesting. Okay, I'm Ramalazar. Whoever has has a haughtiness, his, his, uh, his dust, when he, you know, he dies and decomposes, and that's what the Pesach back in Eov, and then we're all going to meet the same fate, that will not be bestirred in the time of Tchias HaMeitzit. So, you know, first, already it's evoking the idea that you are dust like all of us, and you made yourself so great, in the end you became dust, and you will not even rise up. Not only that, you know, you won't even be, it won't even like move at that time. But, okay. afar. Um, wake up and uh, rejoice those who dwell in the, uh, with the dust. It doesn't say those that have laid down in the dust, which would refer to all dead people. Um, those that are, 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 are living among the dust have, been, have made a neighbor with the dust. It's like to dwell in the dust. Person that was dwelling in the dust in his life, in his own life, when he was dwelling, you know, was lowly and not was raised up, that person will be uh, resuscitated at the time of Tchiat Um Okay. Um, where were we? Mm, okay. The uh, Amor Rebbe Lezer. It says Rebbe Lezer. Kodem sheish bogasis haruach shechina miyaleles alav. 
Whoever has this uh, this haughtiness of soul, the divine presence, you know, wo- you know, wails over him. You know, people like here you are. You think you're so amazing. You're you're just a human being. You know, and what about God? Where's your humility? And you know, and the divine presence wails over uh, the way that this person, you know, just uh, uh, is acting in this world. And the high one will be known or the, from a distance. So it means that you know you could even hear. He He's reading it as that you'll even know, you know, the God's wailing can be heard from a distance. Okay. Um, Come and see that the ways of God are not like the ways of flesh and blood. The ways of flesh and blood. The high one sees the high one. You know, people in high office will only see other people of their rank. Um, and they will not see people of lowly office and of, uh, you know, that are seen as uh, beneath them in the socioeconomic uh, hierarchy. God is not that way. He is high up and he specifically is out there looking for those who are lowly. God is high up. And God looks at those that are lowly. And that actually is in a couple of psukim, it really emphasizes God's, you know, tremendous transcendence from the world and how, how high and mighty God is. And God, therefore, what do you do with that power? You don't ignore those that are lowly and marginalized. You, that is specifically the responsibility to pay attention to them. Okay. Amar of Chizda, said Rav Chizda, um, somebody who has this haughtiness, God says, I and he cannot live in the same world, you know, because if you're haughty, you like fill up all the space and you're the only authority. Well, if you're the only authority, excuse me, I'm leaving here. Okay, we both can't live in the same space. Um, one who, uh, who uh, you know, uh, 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 libels who you know who tells an evil speech in in, um, in private against his friend. Oto atzmit, he I will uh, cut down. The one who is of high eyes, that's this second part is the part that's relevant to us, and of wide heart, with him I shall not, um, him I will not suffer. You know, I can't uh, beat, I, I can't like uh, 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 tolerate him. So that's Otolo Uchal. That's a simple meaning of the Pasuk, but he's going to read it the following way. I can't be with him, okay? If he's filling up the space and, you know, he's everything, then thank you, I'm leaving. Now, some will look at that about the first half of the Pasuk. You know, the second half speaks about high haughtiness of eye, but the first part speaks about the Lashon Hara, and maybe the sin that the Pasuk is focusing on is the Lashon Hara that comes from that haughtiness and not the haughtiness itself. Um, okay. Whoever has this haughtiness of spirit, even a little spirit, even a little wind will upset him. Like, you know, like, like make the waters, like a little breeze will make all the waters turbulent. People that are very focused on their own status are hypersensitive to little, tiny little slights and things that they think could be possibly, you know, slight, you know, un- slighting their status and people not realizing, you know, their authority, okay? Even a little one. And the wicked are like a, you know, like the ocean are, are, are driven out. You know that the ocean, it has, think of, you know, many, many quarts of water, 
very, you know, in, it's, it's enormously large. And nevertheless, a little wind can disturb, the, you know, the, uh, the calmness of the sea. Um, so if that's true, Adam Shein Boiler Revis, a human being that only has a revius of blood in him, which is the Gemara's understanding, um, how much more so will this little, will this little wind uh, disturb him? And obviously, the, and so not, but not every human being, those that are labeled Rishaim, which we now are identifying as those of haughtiness. So a Talmud Chacham, uh, has to have an eighth of an eighth, one sixty-fourth of, uh, of, of haughtiness, you know, because you need a certain sense of self-respect for the Torah, and somebody slights you, they're also slighting the Torah that you represent. So a little bit, a little bit of gaiva, you know, is a tiny, tiny bit. Not, he didn't say one sixty-fourth, an eighth of an eighth, a derivative of a derivative. It's interesting why he said an eighth. I don't know, but anyway, but that mouth can be tolerated. Two degrees removed. Um, that mount can be tolerated. Now, and you remember before the Gemara says, if you have haughtiness, even if somebody who is like they received the Torah from Harsinai, right, will, will not be cleansed from Gehenna. So Torah can bring, can, you know, that can bring way too much haughtiness with it. And that's a real danger. But also don't be so humble that you don't have a sense of the Torah that you represent. So and it, it it crowns him like the like the hairs on top of the husk of corn. You'll remember that that was the pasuk before that said those hairs will be cut off. But here it's saying you know that actually a little bit actually adorns you and gives you the right type of uh, pride that brings honor. Uh, so here it's uh, but of course one cannot forget the <laughs> not not evoke the other pasuk. So um, so it's uh, it has the potential of being dangerous. Amarava Bisham said the Ispe Bisham to the Lispe. Rav said this is it is too dangerous. Somebody should be in Khairim if you have Gaiva Atam Chachav, and should be in Khairim if you don't have Gaiva. Meaning like it's a it's a very delicate line, you know, to tread. A little too much, and you're deserving of being in Khairim because you know, you 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 know the, the Torah is supposed to make us sensitive to people and humble to people, not lord it over. Um, and at the same time, if you have too little, then also you're not uh, properly representing the Torah um, that, uh, and the authority of the Torah. So it's a very, very delicate and impossible balance. Okay. Um, you know, uh, now, Rav Nachman Yitzchak, Rav Nachman Yitzchak says, I'm going to solve this for you. Lomina v'lomiktsata. I don't want to have anything to do with it, and I don't want everything to do with even the tiniest bit of it. Is it, you know, is it, is it of naught? Is it little? What, when the Pasuk says to it, an abomination to God. So if it's an abomination to God, we need to keep a mile away from it. Now, abomination to God is when your heart is lifted up, you know? Is there a way that you can have some of that nida without it leading to gavutlev? But he just says it is way too dangerous. So this is a whole interesting thing, you know, about how sometimes the Chachamim are super humble. There are, you know, sometimes the more interesting stories are about ones that were arrogant or quite arrogant. Uh, so a lot to be reflecting on here. Classic joke in the yeshiva is, oh yes, you know, he, the Gemara says he should have an eighth eighth of an arrogance, but as with other things, he's just very machmir on the shir. So, anyway, that is definitely a challenge um, in both directions. And as the Gemara is sort of the thrust of the Gemara, too often our problem is the people that have, are being too 
too machmir, too much of it, not too little. Okay, I'm a chizkiah. Angel of Shalom Nishmas, Elin Kane, Mason Lee, Buki Basar. Now we're going to talk about the value of being humble. Your person's prayer is only heard if he makes his heart like flesh, not like stone, not like a, a spirit lifted up, but humble like flesh, flexible like flesh. Um... Um, all flesh will come, you know, to the base of Mikdash in the future. If you treat yourself as flesh and bones and as human and as flexible and as, you know, an impression can be made, that, that's the type of person whose prayer God wants to hear. Um, uh, uh, okay. Um, uh, when it talks about the uh, skin uh, disease, when it speaks about, you know, it comes on the flesh, it says if there's a, if there's a, if there's a sarat on the flesh, it says it will heal. Adam looks he bathed in your pa. When it says if a man, a person has this tzara'at, it does not use the pasuk when it says it will heal. Um, obviously, it could clear up, but the point is, you know, when you think about Adam, you're a person, you know, man, you rep- you know, human, you know, there's a sense of a certain sense of pride and so on. If you, that's how you're thinking about yourself, it's hard for you to heal and to change and to listen to, see what's wrong. Um, whereas if you treat yourself like flesh, healing is much more possible. Um, Rav Yochanan, Rav Yochanan says, you, we should always be sort of like aware of what's embedded in the word. Adam, a man, is, can be read as an acronym, Afer dam mara, ashes, like dust and ashes, blood and bile. Basar, busha srucha rima. Basar is embarrassment, you know, uh, spoiling and, and maggots. So now it's not the benefit of basar over Adam, just remember that we're all flesh and blood. Igadami shol, shol, some say shaul, excuse me, the, the depths, the netherworld. That's where we're all going. Instead of the um, instead of the srucha spoiled, which is a, reading a samich for a sin, here we're going to read a shin for a sin. Dechsev b'shin. I'm Ravashi. Kol adam sheish bogas zeruach lesof nifchat. Anybody who has that haughtiness of the soul in the end will be brought down and made lowly. In Amar, these are the types of leprosy, and the word se'et means, these are just names of them, but the drasha is, se'et means lifted up. Right, the, uh, the, the, the mountains that are lifted up. Sapachat means something that is secondary, that is adhe- adhering on something Lowly. Sort of like, uh, gather me in, you know, that I should eat some bread. Come and see how great are those of lowly spirit before God. When there was a base of Niktash, if a person brought an Ola, great, you get the merit of bringing an Ola. Um, if you bring a mincha, you get the merit of bringing a mincha. But somebody who had a lowly spirit, it's as if he brought all the sacrifices. Even when there was a base of mikdash, and you could have brought sacrifices, and that was a possibility, if you have the lowly spirit, it's better than 
people, you know, you, you, now you're as good as a person who brought sacrifices. You're as if you brought all the sacrifices. That is absolute the best. That I want more than I want anybody's sacrifices. Okay? Um, as the verse says, The sacrifices, in plural, of God is a broken spirit. His prayer will not be despised. It's a really funny, you know, saying it's all the sacrifices. It seems like this is a little anticlimactic. But anyway, a broken and a lowly heart, God will not uh, 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 despair it. Okay, uh, anybody who weighs their acts in this world, this is actually a little bit of a shift from what we're talking about, like Shuma, Shuma is like an estimation of Bastin. Um Zo, meaning, so you're, this Ramam quotes the statement of Yerushua ben Levi about, he says, the core religious principle, like the guiding principle in life is, everything you do, you should be assessing, why am I doing this? And you should be weighing it and assessing it l'shem shamayim. So he says pretty hard standard. So Rabbi Shubham Levi says, whoever basically weighs and assesses his actions, his paths, maybe your general direction, maybe not every single movement, in this world, we'll see in the, in the salvation of God, and I will place my, you know, the, the path, and I will see in the, uh, in the salvation of and he says, Al-Tikrivisam, the one who places or orders his path, Ella Visham Derech, one who assesses and weighs and evaluates his actions. Okay, very long passage about uh, arrogance and humility. Fascinating thing about the Talmud Chacham um, and the two directions about that. But I also think Ruach, Ruach, Ruach here lined up against Avaralav Ruach Kinah. And how, you know, I think that there is uh, a real ju- uh, juxtaposition, intended juxtaposition, about what is that spirit that is leading this man to be jealous about his wife. Okay, so now we are going to continue back to the halach and back to the Mishnah. Ketzer Mekanala, how does he uh, give, do this kinoi, this warning? And Chazal here have um, turned this kinoi, you know, turned the whole thing into a more of a legal process uh, and uh, taken it out in the psukim. The, tar- the man has enormous amount of latitude and authority but the Gemara brings in Adim and Basin and makes it all, legalized it and much, much limited it, the husband's authority. So, um, and he says, how do you warn in front of one witness or two witnesses, depending on the debate? You know, warns her not to um, be in private with a certain person. But the example in the Mishnah is he warns her, don't speak to a man. And then it says, and if she speaks to a man, she's, a, uh, she's permitted until she's in private with a man. Okay, so he has to be in private, that's the action, but what's his warning? Is that don't speak, or is that don't be in private? It would seem it would have to be don't be in private, but the Mishnah doesn't say that, so that's what the uh, Gemara deals with. Hagu Vakasha, this is internally contradictory. He says in front of two witnesses, do not speak to this man, specific man. So you see that speaking to a man is equivalent halachically to being in private with him for the laws of Sota. But if she speaks with the man, even if he was warned not to, she remains permissible um, to having sex with her husband. That's what lebeta means, and to eat truma for husband to kohen. Alma dibra lo klumu. The dibra speech is not the problem. The problem is being in private. So shouldn't the warning have to match the act that creates the problem? Now you could, of course, say no. The warning could be any warning, but it's not a problem until she violates it so much. 
the point that it's possible he had sex with the man, but the Gemara is not reading it that way. The Gemara says, Amar Here's how you have to read the Mishnah. If he says, don't speak to this man, and she spoke, or don't speak, and she went into private. Um, or don't go in private, and she spoke to him. She's still permissible to her husband, none of those makes her forbidden, because you don't have either the warning in place, or the act, or, you know, the warning correct, or the act correct, correct, quote unquote. Okay, however, um, but in that last case, when he said don't go in private, for in that case, if after being more not to be in private, she goes into a private place, she weighs the time it's possible to have intercourse, then she can no longer have sex with her husband, she cannot eat truma if she was eating it on account of her husband being a Kohen. So we will stop here and pick up at the bottom of Hamlet Bet tomorrow.